From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. We can see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey. This vaccine will help us get past this pandemic once and for all. We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. Good afternoon, I'm Caroline Hepke. Well, the Greensill Capital scandal engulfing Westminster, Whitehall and now perhaps some NHS leaders is only likely to intensify this week, Roger, as multiple inquiries related to lobbying and business appointments get underway. So you've got Parliament's influential Treasury Committee, which is going to set out terms for its investigation. Also, the Public Administration and Constitutional Affairs Committee begins its probe. Comments from the Chairman William Ragg saying that there is an understanding that, quote, something must be done. That's on top, of course, of an investigation commissioned already by Boris Johnson himself to try to draw a line under the controversy. Well, while the fallout initially centred on David Cameron's lobbying of ministers on behalf of Greensill, scrutiny's widened amid allegations of, well, corruption. The Environment Secretary George Eustace, however, says David Cameron meticulously observed the rules. Following that, if there's a a general view in Parliament that the rules around declaration of ministers' interests could be changed slightly, uh, or if there's a view that rules around what ministers can do when they leave office should be changed slightly, well, then that's a policy decision. But the Shadow Community Secretary, Steve Reid, is calling for a full parliamentary investigation into lobbying. If we have an independent parliamentary inquiry into what's going on, open and transparent, and in David Cameron's own words, sunlight is the best disinfectant, well, let's expose this whole situation to that sunlight. Well, for more, we're joined by Mary Foy, Labour MP for the City of Durham. Mary, thanks so much for being with us today. Let me get your take first of all. Do you think the various inquiries that we're seeing now, and there are a lot of them, will actually get to the root of what's been happening? Well, as um, Steve Reid has said, we need it to be a, a proper independent inquiry and end once and for all this this awful lobbying culture that's actually plaguing politics at the minute. Um, and Labour have also said we would create an integrity and ethics commission um, to try and restore this trust. Um, but we need an independent, there needs to be an independent look into this because it is, it's a plague on politics at the minute. And whether or not, um, it, it can be argued whether David Cameron has um, behaved improperly or not. But this isn't just about the single action of one disgraced politician. This is, this, the Greenfield scandal involves the Chancellor, the Health Secretary, two Treasury Ministers, a senior civil servant. You know, who else knows? Um, so it's just shown how lax the rules on lobbying actually are and how this 
the culture has infected really the heart of government. Mm. But but some lobbying, of course, is needed. I mean, lobbying to to the sort of most positive side of lobbying, of getting important points across the government is needed. And then surely there's a risk to all parties in, in this. No administration, including Labour's past government, has been entirely free of lobbying allegations. Well, of course, there's lobbying will always happen. But this, this what we've seen over the last, what, 10 years or even more is scandalous. It's Scandalous. It's about lining their own pockets at the expense of, of many people, especially during a pandemic. You know, just look at the scandal of um, the track and trace. The track and trace system, millions were poured into that system. It didn't work. That, that system was run by the partner of a sitting Conservative MP. Um, you know, the, the health secretary's pub landlord was given contracts. This is... It's, it's just absolutely out, outrageous, and it needs to be end. It's cro- it's cronies, it's chums of the of the government who are allowed to run through Whitehall, through civil service, and have access to to all all departments. And we've seen it's just it's greed, and they're lying in their own pockets. Well, and many many conservatives and those links with the Conservative Party have lined their own pockets during this pandemic. All on right, the well, back of people who are suffering. Well, Mary, let me ask you then. I mean, if we go from from this, and as we said, you know, many administrations of the past have also been uh, been fingered for this kind of thing. What should the rules say now? For example, should former politicians, politicians out of office now, be allowed to represent commercial companies and then, I guess, make a, a approaches to their former colleagues? Should that just be banned? Should there be a time limit? What should be done? Well, I, I haven't got I haven't got the, the full answer, but yeah. Why, you know, former politicians making a, a heck millions and millions of pounds because they have have access to to the, the prime minister or the the uh, although not the proved an accu- that that's an accusation but not proved right. Uh, which part that's not proved? That, we know that former that former politicians have made money, have made millions. That is an accusation rather than something that's been proved. Surely. I don't think. I, I think it's well, well established that they've made money from it. But in that circumstance, Mary, if, 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 we're, if we're looking at this, I mean, they have, whether or not money has been made in the past, let's move it to the future and say what needs to be in place, what rules need to be there. That's that's the question, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's the the the, the rules. Um, I, I guess this is what this independent inquiry will will look into and reach there, there should be the reach a decision to to make sure that there is integrity and ethics and you know if lobbying needs to happen it needs to be done in an ethical way where you aren't lying in your own pockets and people aren't um uh, making money on 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 the back of 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 the poor really and the dying and this country is what it was this year during the pandemic you know it isn't just green still it was the west very development scandal, the town fund scandals. Uh, there's, there's an awful lot of scandals that are, are happening at the minute, procurement scandals that have been happening over the last um, decade or more, and it needs to end now. Um, and as I say, the public, the, the public don't trust politicians and who can blame them. All right, Mary, but I mean, you, you say it's for the inquiries to put forward uh, what should happen, but you are a politician. 
you know, you must surely have a view. What do you personally think would be the right way to deal with this if they asked you? Um, oh, I, I, I honestly would, I would suggest that we look into um, to carry out this commission in a right and proper way and find out what, what the loopholes are, how it has become so lax. I think you can lobby because, you know, we have charities that lobby. We have trade unions that lobby. That, that they're not, But they're not using public funds. They're not using up public funds. We need lobbying to happen, but not in the way that's been happening um, over the last 10 years or more. It's outrageous. Well, look, what about your seat in, in a red wall area? Could the lobbying scandal yeah. actually start to bring votes back, do you think, to Labour? I mean, this is going to get quite um, crucial, obviously, because we've got uh, local elections coming up, a uh, uh, by-election too. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you think that this will start to affect polling? It doesn't There haven't been many recent polls um, to include this. Bernard Jenkin, though, for example, writing about it, thinks that it could. Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I, I think at a time when um, the, the Conservatives um, talked about the red wall and levelling up, well, this is actually smacked right in the, the, the face of levelling up. If we're talking about levelling up those Tuara communities and the people who have really struggled throughout this pandemic and struggled for a decade with jobs and unemployment, to hear, for them to know, we have to... We have to, to, to to shout really loudly about what's been going on with the with the um, with these cronies and the chums and the Tory donors who are making millions out of the pandemic, and if people realise that, hopefully they'll they'll see that the Tory party don't actually care about those in the north in the northeast and other the other red horses. They don't care about us at all, or they wouldn't they wouldn't allow this to happen. So well, it's it's up to me. It's up to the Labour Party and others to, and the media to expose what's been going on because far too often these things are hidden. They're hidden yeah. away. The news, our, our media don't shout about this um, and well, it needs to be there at, at the forefront. Mary, let me ask you about something else which perhaps reflects on, I mean, in fact, on an old Labour uh, slogan which was for the many, not the few, because a lot of people have used that in relation to the latest uh, about the football situation, this new Super League, oh, yeah. saying it's a, it's a kind of elitist thing and, and actually depriving a lot of people potentially uh, of a lot of fun, a lot of enjoyment uh, for the benefit, yeah. financial benefit of a few. What's your take on it? Oh, you know, you're asking somebody who doesn't even know the offside rules. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know about football, but what I do know is, you know, this is outrageous. It's it's about Europe's richest clubs banding together just to protect themselves and generate more income from themselves at the expense of the smaller clubs and, crucially, the fans. You know, football is about the fans. It's nothing without the grassroots. And, you know, those grassroots teams, they created the star players that we're seeing now. Um, and, you know, they're there to, to serve their local communities. And this is, this is just about greed. And those, um, you know, the owners of those top clubs, they don't care about the, lo the local fans. It's about lining their own pockets again. It's about greed and it's actually been killing the, what well, is the people's game. It's, it's been killing the game for, for years. And I think this should be stopped in its tracks. And from what I've seen in um, the media and the outreach from some prominent footballers and others, that hopefully this, you know, these teams need to be punished. They really do.
Mary, thank you so much for being with us. We shall see what happens with that story. You're right that it's made waves across Europe. Mary Foy is Labour MP for the City of Durham. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. Let's talk about the other big story, though. It's one, Roger, that has crossed all lines, actually. Uh, a story about football that has uh, a political and financial implications, too. The FA, the Premier League and UEFA have all condemned it. Former United captain Gary Neville hopes that there are sanctions against those involved. It's a criminal act against football fans in this country. Make no mistake about it. This is the biggest sport in the world. This is the biggest sport in this country. And it's a criminal act against the fans. Simple as that. Deduct points, deduct their money and punish them. Well, joining us to discuss this is Bloomberg's David Hellier. David, thanks for being with us. First of all, uh, nearing the start here, what is the European Super League? Um, the European Super League is a, is a group of um, owners, really, of, of big clubs like Real Madrid, Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool, who've, who've sort of been talking in the, in the shadows for months, probably years, about um, creating a league from which they can never be relegated. Um, I mean, I, when I first got to Bloomberg, um, uh, quite a few people, when I started writing about football, uh, asked me, what is relegation? And relegation and promotion is is one of the tantamount uh, things that you know brings all the excitement to to football in Europe, and it's 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 across every country, um, it, and it's it's where you know teams can go up and down, and their fortunes can ebb and flow, and it's what really drives most of us and gives most of us uh, the interest and passion. Um, and in this Super League, um, these owners have said. Um, you know, we'd rather they just stay in the league the whole time because that means we've got stable incomes. Uh, it's a much easier investor profile. Um, and, um, you know, it makes it makes our commitment, capital spend, worthwhile. Um, but the trouble is, you know, it's very alien to uh, mm. European sensibilities. Yeah, I, I mean, look, this is the world's biggest football clubs kind of gathering together in a breakaway league. What surprised me a bit about this story is that it's it's kind of a dozen of the best-known names, Manchester United, Real Madrid, mm. it's, it's UK clubs, it's Italian clubs um, and German clubs getting together. How, how did this come about then without sort of... Um, people really knowing that this was coming or how much did people know that this Super League was going to, I mean, emerge almost kind of fully formed? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, if you follow the, the tea leaves like, uh, like some of us do, um, <laughs> this is this has been around for a long time. I mean, I, I, I wrote a um, story in January about it, which kind of barely, uh, you know, barely registered really um, because it it wasn't fully formed. I mean, mm. you know, now now it's it's pretty much fully formed. Um, I mean, in, in fact, it's, it's it's very interesting because each country has, has responded differently. I mean, the, 
Germany, they're very keen to get a German club, but so far, because German clubs are mostly fan-owned, uh, they've turned it down. So Bayern Munich so far is not involved. France is not involved so far. So it's, it's from only three countries so far. But I mean, now, you know, now 12 clubs, are, I mean, what you have, you have, you've always had four or five who've been absolutely stirring the pot for ages and ages and ages. Um, and what they've managed to do in the last few days probably is to get that up to 12 which is kind of the number where you start to think if I don't get into that league now maybe I'll never get into it um, and that's the conundrum that, that a lot of the uh, clubs have so far said no now face. Yeah fear of missing out being a classic uh, mover in these circumstances but uh, David I mean, you, you kind of laid out the, the, what it is and, and, and sort of why it's going where it is but why are people so opposed to it? What's, what's the case against? Why is there so much anger not only amongst fans but amongst politicians as well? Well the politicians I think re react to you know to what the fans are saying and um if there's votes in it for them, they they follow that. Um, I don't think really Boris. I'd be surprised if he'd been to a football match in, in the last few years, but he's certainly not a season ticket holder, as, as far as I'm aware. Um, Macron in France is actually quite a uh, meant to be quite a football follower. Um, why does it? Why is it incense people? It's because um, it's because of that sort of childhood dream that you follow a team through thick and thin and you know they might go from the third division to the first division to the Premier League like Leicester 5,000 to 1 outsiders to win the league and they won the league this it's it takes away those dreams in, a, in, in many ways I mean not totally um, you know there'll be 15 teams in the Super League and they'll be playing each other and it'll be fun it'll be exciting it'll be dramatic um, but if you're not in that uh little elite group um it's it's very hard to see how it's going to play out lower down the pyramid uh, um mm. and i think um I, I know i mean my you know my own son is 15 um he said he, he was he was desperate last night you know sort of he said he felt sick um gary neville you heard what he said you know um eight times winner of the premier league he doesn't think the premier league has a of a vibrant, you know, vibrant future under this plan. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned the Prime Minister also. He tweeted that the government supports football's authorities in, in taking action. So we know sort of which side he's on. Look, um, I, I, I sympathise. I mean, I'm not a big football fan myself, but I sympathise with that <laughs> idea that the little guy's getting crushed, That's if that's how you see it. Um, and it is interesting that once you look below, um, you know, those top clubs in terms, they generate huge amounts of cash. But basically anybody below the top kind of 20 really doesn't make much at all. And so I guess how's the project going to be financed? And in the pandemic, there's been a lot about trying to support grassroots sports, lots of grassroots mm. sports that have lost out on all sorts of kind of income streams. So mm. tell us about the money, the financing. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, so the money, um, the, the money is, is, is where it's all at, obviously. Um, the, the, they're very optimistic that they can sell this package to um, global uh, sports watchers at a time where, um, you know, new new ways of watching sports are available. Uh, OTT companies like DAZN, um, 
um, Amazon. Um, you know, they can sell this product all, all, all over all over the world. It's going to be quite enticing. And what they're doing with those um, that money is, I mean, J.P. Morgan's very deeply involved in uh, raising debt finance to uh, to get it off the ground, and that's on the back of future broadcast revenues. They are saying that they are going to make payments, uh, solidarity payments to uh, the football pyramid. That's all the leagues below them, mm. um, and um, you know, I mean, that's that's something they're talking about a possible women's league. I mean, that that really was given a bit of an afterthought in the mm. press statement. I thought um, uh, there are there don't seem to be any women involved in the management of this, this Super League, um, but they they do mention that that you know they would also have a women's league, and women's football is becoming increasingly. Uh, popular in Europe um, but um, you know they are, they are they're, 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 there's another um, thing going on which is a generational thing um, even you know the biggest diehard football fans um, where if they sit back they they notice that everyone in the stadium or everyone watching on television or certainly paying the subscriptions yeah. they're older than you know 50 probably um, uh, Chelsea's yeah. average age is a season to go at 53 so um, this is a kind of, um, you know, this is an attempt to draw in a, a new generation. So well, the old generation might say, yeah, go to the hell, but they might be able to attract a new generation. Yeah. Well, let's see if it works, if that's what they're after. Um, certainly it is very, very controversial. But thanks for walking us through it, David. David Hellier there taking us through this new Super League, what it could mean, quite why so many people are so against it. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.